The stories you're about to hear are entirely true. They are some of history's most notorious and sinister mysteries. Whenever possible, the actual police and witnesses involved have been used in the recreation of these events. Your hosts, senior mystery analysts, Ben Pateski and John Nafziger, have been exploring the paranormal and the unknown for over a year. They dig deep for society's own good, working in the dark to bring the truth to light. This is Drunk Mysteries. Good morning, good evening, good time of day, whatever the hell it is, to you and yours. My name is John Nafziger, and you're fucking listening to Drunk Mysteries. I am joined with my co-host, as always, Ben Pateski. That's right, John. My name is Ben, and my last name is Pateski, and today I'm feeling pretty goddamn good. And you want to know why? Why is that, Ben? Because, John, we've received over 5,000 inquiries from faithful fans, listeners, and patrons alike saying wow. they were going to go online tonight and subscribe and review the podcast that is known as Drunk Ministries. Now, John, wow, that's a lot. Because John, it can seems I just like... tell you something real yeah, quick? Yeah, go ahead. So, John, do you want to know what the most common cause of death in America is these days? Ooh, bears. Lack of appreciation. Okay, okay, I appre- believe that. Nine out of ten doctors say that lack of appreciation is the cause of death for most people. Mm-hmm. And want to know what you do can to not die? You can appreciate our podcast by subscribing and reviewing Wherever you listen to podcasts, but preferably in the iTunes store today. Yeah, I agree. I don't with that. care if you're old. I don't care if you're young. I don't care if you're. I don't care if you're a criminal. I don't care if you're fat. What I want you to do is, I want you to subscribe and review. And you know what I will do? What are you gonna do, Ben? I'll offer you a free picture of anything you want me to send. Wow, that's that's mighty high of you. Yeah. Like, I mean, like that is not an easy task mm-hmm. for you to fulfill for every. Send request. me your number, and I'll send you whatever you want. That's right. Just send us a screenshot uh, at drunkmysteries at gmail.com of your subscription and review uh, on iTunes, and we'll send you. Whatever you want, no, I'll a photo your, of. I'll take your word for it. You don't have to send us pictures. Just, you know, email, hit us up, drunkmysteries at gmail.com, and tell me that you sent, you know, you subscribed and reviewed, and I'll just, I'll shoot you something fucking wild. Whatever ben, you want. I have an important question. What, do you w- got? what are you drinking tonight? I, I want to, I want you to give me a, a loving review as though it were your Valentine's Day date um, in the state of, of Louisiana. So, long-time listeners of the show will know that we broadcast this podcast from none other than the great city in the great state of Austin in Texas. And um, one of my favorite places to go in Austin when I'm out in the town um, in uh, South Austin, which is the part of Austin that I live in, is Uncle Billy's Brewery. Now, Uncle Billy's Brewery is a menagerie, a haberdashery of meats, cheeses, and beers that they brew in the very bar that you're drinking in. Fantastic case. Folks, I have brought multiple dates there. I have gone there just for pleasure. I've even gone there by myself one or two times. What would you say is your success rate on dates? No, I got no. You don't. You wait. What would you say is your success rate when you bring a date to Uncle Billy's? Well, it's a numbers game and not a, it's, you know, it's a numbers game. So I'm going to say 10%. Okay, 10%. <laughs> so, you know, you've got to bring a lot of, you got to bring a lot to get a lot. Ben is a, you know, a lot, a lot of you listeners out there may be uh, women who are used Bumble and or Tinder on, in the city of Austin, Austin, and you'll probably recognize Ben. 
I feel like Ben has righteously put himself out there. You know, what, I've crusaded and, through the world of internet dating. Exactly. Like for the for the, those of us too afraid. You know. Yep. For those of us, every time he goes on a a bad date, he says, "I'm doing this for the guy that's at home because." He's worried that maybe it won't work, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm just taking risks so you don't have to. But you know it's not a risk? What's not a risk, Ben? So, John, what's not a risk is the Barton Springs Pale Ale brewed by Uncle Billy's Brewery. I agree. Here in Austin, Texas. Now, if you're not in Austin, if you're not visiting this great and fabulous free state that we know as Texas, you might have trouble finding Uncle Billy's Brewery. But if you hit us up at... And this is true, folks, because I've done this before and I will do it again. If you email us at drunkmysteries at gmail.com and say you want to try Uncle Billy's Brewery Beer, their Barton Springs Pale Ale, which is like drinking how your orgasm Heaven? feels. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah I agree. exactly. It's like drinking how your orgasm feels. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, that is a, wow, that's a flavor line. Exactly. For sure. Yeah, I mean, come on now. Let's put that on a 2020 it bumper sticker. It doesn't taste like but your folks, orgasm. I shit you not, if you email us at drunkmysteries at gmail.com and put in the subject line, Uncle Billy's, I will send you a free pack of Barton Springs Pale Ale, a sixer that is. You'll be able to get fucking shit-faced by yourself maybe or with a loved one. You can just see what happens. Wow, man. If that doesn't sell it, I honestly don't know what will. So let's just kind of get into the mystery. So yeah. I want to lead off tonight by talking about how, well, tonight we're going to talk about a heist. Okay. Um, it's about... What we believe to be just two guys who robbed an art museum. But I want to think about, like, maybe this was their art. That's mm-hmm. sort of the problem. The, I want to keep that in mind because art takes many forms, both mm-hmm. physical. Um, it's music, which is intangible. Mm-hmm. So to these guys, this heist was their um, Mona Lisa. Wow. It was their, um, you know, Da Vinci's fucking Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel. Yeah. And, but it these were... It was their pro- masterpiece is what you're saying. But these were also probably two just jamokes from somewhere in the United States. Yeah, so, I know, but here's the thing, John. Is any artist not a jamoke? I mean, I think the point of this mystery is tonight, we're trying to solve how the most artist-like robbers in art robbery history robbed an art museum. Exactly, Ben. You, you fucking hit the nail on the head. So, on Mar- I'm going to dive into the story and the narrative thread. Mm-hmm. To give you a little bit of an overview, here we go. Uh, on March 19... March 18th, 1990... Four days after I was born. That's true. 13 artworks of valued at a combined total of 500 million were stolen from the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum in Boston. The museum initially offered a reward of $5 million for information leading to the art's recovery, um, but they never really got any tips. Despite efforts by the FBI and multiple probes around the world, no arrests have been made to date and no works of art have been recovered. So, like, we'll get into what they stole, but, I mean, these are priceless, timeless. Some of these are priceless, timeless works of art that well, I mean, are just, like, priceless. Being... They were worth a total of five. Sure, you're million. okay. Yeah, the time, <laughs> t- you're right. Timeless. <laughs> yeah. It definitely had a price. Uh, timeless, though, right? Like, they were centuries-old paintings that are now gone. Yeah, that, but, like, I mean... Like, it's an artifact sort so, of thing that was just, like, it was a thing that's there that, like, okay, there's only one. It is unique in the entire world. It cannot be reproduced. And now it is missing from sight via well, heist. Well, here's the thing. I mean... 
my my Who's answer my it? answer to that is twofold. Yeah. One being that, a um you know whatever. I mean, there are plenty of great works of art made, and it also feels like. Well, actually, no, that's not where I was going with that. What I was going to say is that it seems like this must have been a pretty artistic heist in and of itself. Because what is art other than the combination of well-put-together skills in order to achieve a goal? But wait, John, before you cut me off, let me just add one other thing. Don't you feel like the museum was lowballing by offering a $5 million award for $500 million worth of paintings? Who the fuck is going to give that? You can pay people off before they'll take that reward. In response, I think because you're in Boston in the 1990s, there's probably, the Boston had definitely a crime, an organized crime element. I think they were hoping somebody would just snitch anonymously, collect the five mil, somebody that didn't have the art, basically, right? Because they're just yeah. looking for information leading to the arrest. So, like, if, you know, four degrees of separation guy in Boston is like, I, I, I actually heard this rumor about that. You should check it out. And then they arrest him. Here's your five mil. Yeah. You take that deal. You take that deal. Maybe. But, I mean, you know, you called this art, you called this robbery a work of art. If it fit one genre, minimalism. Yep. So, uh, around midnight on Sunday morning, March 18th, 1990, a red Dodge Daytona pulled up near, yeah, fucking hot rod. Yep. Uh, it pulled up near the side entrance of the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum along Palace Road in Boston. Two men with police uniforms waited for at least an hour inside the car, possibly just trying to avoid uh, being noticed by uh, people leaving a St. Patrick's Day so party wait, John, nearby. So, John, that. This was on St. Patrick's Day, Well, no, huh? it's Sunday morning. It's March 18th at uh, 1 a.m., so people are out having been out Saturday, celebrating Saturday, yeah, St. So Patrick's day. day. after Saint, this is the day after St. Patrick's Day? Exactly. Uh, you kind of just lean in. You can't lean back. Okay, just, yeah, fine. I'll lean um, in. Jesus. Later, around 1 a.m., Security guard Richard Abath re returned to his desk after patrolling the museum to switch positions with a fellow guard, the only other person in the building. So at this time, Abath opened and quickly shut the Palace Road door, claiming, quote, he was trained to do this to ensure the door was locked. He then, Abeth then claimed that security logs from other nights would show that he had done this many times previously. So basically, he's just saying he's following procedures. Yeah, exactly. Um, so at, on March 18th at 1.24 uh, a.m., one of the two men outside, one of these robbers, pushed the buzzer near the door and told security guard Abeth that they were policemen. They said that they were policemen who heard of a disturbance in the courtyard, and then they requested to be let inside. Misdirection. Yep. Abeth knew he should not let these uninvited guests in, but he was unsure on whether the rule applied to police officers. So he naturally, must have been new. Yeah, I mean, naturally knowing his place, you're not going to tell the cops no if you're a security guard. It's your job. Yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? You're not going to die they're for the police. fellow men of authority. Exactly. So soon security officer Abeth um, could see the men and believe them to be police officers based on their uniforms. Him, with his partner on patrol, they decided to buzz in these strange men. When uh, these faux policemen uh, arrived at the main security desk, one of them told Abath that he looked familiar, and there was a default warrant out for his arrest. Abath stepped out from behind his desk, where the only alarm button to alert the police could be accessed. So they mm -hmm. sort of, like, pulled him, like, get away from the old button. They fucking fooled him. Mm -hmm. He was quickly asked for his identification, and he was ordered to face the wall, but then he was handcuffed. 
Abath believed the arrest was a complete misunderstanding, but after a while, he realized that he had never been frisked before being cuffed and had not been read his Miranda's rights. And on top of all that, he realized that one of the officer's mustache was made of wax. So basically, he realizes that these Fuck. guys are not only cops, but one of them's wearing a fake mustache. And I'm in handcuffs. Wow, I'm bad at being a security guard. Yeah, this is I mean, like, uh, in his defense, though, I mean... Your job as a security guard is observe and report, not stop fucking felons. But, sure. But they could have, like, they didn't flash a warrant. They didn't flash anything. No, my own... Okay. I know we have have a lot of security guard listeners out there. Most of you, if not all of you, are security security guards. guards. But here's the thing. They're not the brightest bunch in the world. <laughs> like you're, you're not gonna, so our listeners. Yeah, I mean, but no one listens to us if they're, you know, Tough Harvard anyway. MBAs. But, I mean, here's the thing, though. I'm just saying, like, if you're a security guard, you're not going to be expected to fucking... If someone flashes a badge in your face and has a cop uniform on, it's pretty hard to not do what they say without feeling extremely uneasy about... Like, that, that's a lot of authority to flash in someone's fair, face. Especially fair. if you're just a lowly security guard. They're not fucking okay, lawyers. Okay, you know what? You're right. You're right. So, um... Basically, they were like, what's going on? This this seems odd. Mm-hmm. So the second security guard arrived minutes later and was also handcuffed because apparently they told him he looked like he was a criminal. Mm-hmm. Um, after which, he asked the intruders why he was being arrested. The thieves slash fake cops explained that they were not being arrested, but rather this was a robbery, so they've revealed themselves. Okay. And then they just proceeded to take the guards to the museum's basement. They handcuffed the guards to the pipes, and they wrapped duct tapes around their hands, feet, and heads. So they really tie them up there, don't they? They secured them. You know, they don't yeah. want any loose ends or, like, I mean, so far, these wild are, cards. I mean, as far as bank robbers or museum robbers go, they're a class act so far. I agree. So, I agree. But, John, since the museum was equipped with state-of-the-art technology, Of course. I mean, it's not fucking... Uh, this isn't a goddamn Goodwill. <laughs> of course not. I mean... But one of the very various things that they had were motion detectors, and this is mm. the 1990s. So motion detectors were fucking like all top. the rage. Yeah, they, they were top of the notch. So somebody the, came to the museum and was like, "Yo, do you think you might have thieves in the building?" And the guy was the curator was like, "Obviously, check this out. This little sensor will detect when people motion. Move. That's crazy." And the guy was probably like, "Give me a hundred. Give me ten thousand. Give of those, me please two hundred. No." Give me 10,000. All of the motion detectors. Exactly. But anyway, so now that this museum has these state-of-the-art motion-detecting devices, the thieves' movement throughout the museum was recorded. But yeah. in the 1990s, here's the thing. Motion detectors didn't set off alarms. They just recorded motion that people took and then showed it to you later. You could tell somebody moved there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they're bad so, motion detectors. Yeah, they fucking suck at this point. You're kind of not so, good. But after tying up the guards... The thieves went upstairs to the Dutch room, the most famous room in the museum. It's one of the, it's where they kept all their precious arts, their yes. most precious arts. As one of them approached the gorgeous 30-foot by 30-foot painting that just portrays thousands of glorious pictures known as Rembrandt's self-portrait, which was created in 1629, the alarm sounded. Oh, God. Sounding authorities, as he touches majestic painting, the thief is said to have said to himself, damn, damn this beauty, but I will have my vengeance. So they just smashed the alarm. I don't know if that stopped it, but they smashed it. It is the 90s. 
So they pulled the painting it off. It definitely stopped it if it was the 90s. That's all you had to do to anything Simple. in the 90s to stop it. Smash yeah. it. They pulled the painting, Rembrandt's self-portrait, off the wall and attempted to take the wooden panel out of its heavy frame. Unse- Bear in mind, it's 30 feet by 30 feet. So it's a big job. Unsuccessful at the attempt, they left the painting on the floor. They cut Rembrandt's The Storm on the Sea of Galilee out of the frame. Should we explain who Rembrandt is? Rembrandt is a very famous Impressionist artist. Like, these are all very, I mean, like, look, I'm not here to lecture you on art history because I'm not even an expert myself, but I do know enough to know that all of these are somewhat rather famous painting painters. They're all rather famous painters. Some of the paintings are mid-level fame. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're still va- they're incredibly valuable. A lot of money. Incredibly valuable. Um, as well, and they also took the painting by Rembrandt called A Lady and the Gentleman in Black. They also removed Vermeer's The Concert. Who's Vermeer? Another, they're, they're all artists. <laughs> yeah, just assume the names are artists. Yeah. Unless we tell you uh, they, they moved some guy <laughs> named Govert Flink's Landscape with Obelisk from the frames. And additionally, they took a Chinese bronze gu from the Shang Dynasty. John, what is a gu? It's a fucking thing made out of bronze. Okay. <laughs> the giant game. Yeah. So, these state-of-the-art devices known as motion-detecting sensors, they recorded, and their records show, that the only footsteps detected in the quote-unquote museum blue room, where some of these works of art were stored, um, were happened that night at around 12.27 a.m. And again, at 12.53 a.m. These times were when... They, yeah, they, they match when Abbott said he passed through the on patrol. But the time for the painting was found on the security chief, Lyle W., the monkey Grindle's chair near the front desk. Called the monkey because Lyle Grindle was so obnoxiously hairy that he looked like a great ape. And it's not a racist thing. He was a white guy. But he, he, was he was a, very hairy. He was a, like. really, he was a really hairy guy. But, um, so... Thick the, forearms. Not thick, just really fucking hairy. They can be both. Yeah, I know, Look, but man, I, if you're going to Okay, say, so wait, do, uh, here's a quote from... What's the other security guy's name again? Abbott. So Abbot. here's a quote from Abbott. I, we didn't have the name attached to it. Quote, Abbott. Grindle's hair is disgusting. It is coarse and long. It looks like a dog and a porcupine bread to make one some sort of despicable being. I hope for our children's sake that he dies before he's 40. Real quick, uh, can you tell me who Grindle is? Yeah, Grindle is a... Without looking. He's the chief security officer. He's fucking Abel's, Abel's, Abbott's boss. Okay, cool. Just wanted to just wanted to ask real quick. Yeah. Before, you know, he's, no, he's a good dude. Yeah, he's right. hairy he's as He's a fucking good dude. So, before leaving, the thieves visited the guards in the basement, tied up and handcuffed, and they looked at him and they said, Look, assholes... You're going to hear from us in about one year exactly. Roughly 364 to 366 days. Mm. But the guards never heard a word. And 15 years later, the case remains unsolved. Jesus. Despite wide-ranging probes by the Federal Bureau of Investigation, otherwise known as the FBI. The Federal Bureau of Investigation. And with assists from Scotland Yard, museum directors, friendly dealers, Japanese and French authorities, and a posse of private investigators. Despite hundreds of interviews and new offers of immunity, despite the Gardner's Museum promise of a $5 million reward, despite a coded message 
The museum flashed to an anonymous tipster through the financial pages of the Boston Globe. Despite oceans of ink and miles, we'll get to it. Despite oceans of ink and miles of film devoted to the subject, despite advice from psychics and a tip from an informant who claims that one of the works is rumbling around in a trailer to avoid detection, there have been no leads, there have been no arrests, and none of these artworks have ever been seen since. Until tonight. Sure. So Ben, tell me a little bit more about. Or do you have any questions? Recap for me. Like I want to. I want to. So basically, what we have here is we have a museum that was robbed for a lot of really expensive art, and no one ever found out who did. Nobody it. figured it out. But here's the thing, folks. As you can imagine, with any great heist of our time, a heart-throbbing investigation would soon follow with none other than the great and late detective John Clancy Adams. So soon, the Federal Bureau of Investigation took control of the case on the grounds that the artwork would likely cross state lines. They thought it would leave Massachusetts. Yeah, Who knows it's why, a small though? state. Yeah. It'd go to so, New York. Yeah, maybe. Like, I mean, so, so the FBI, they have conducted hundreds of interviews with probes stretching across the world involving Scotland Yard, Japanese, French authorities, basically a plethora of, everybody. of agencies from around the world. And, and private FBI, art dealers, yeah, and fucking museum directors, yeah, and, and all this shit. So the FBI believes the thieves were members of a criminal criminal organization bid based in the Mid-Atlantic to New England area, and that the stolen paintings were moved through Connecticut and the Philadelphia area in the years following the theft. Some of the art may have been offered for sale in Philadelphia in the early 2000s, including the Storm on the Sea of Galilee. The Galilee. Mo- what is that? Galilee. Yeah, but what is, what is that? It's just a famous painting by Rembrandt. Remember, mm-hmm. just remember, all of these are like consider them just unique artifacts, right? Like they are one of a kind works of art. There is yeah. no substitute. They can't in a time and it's weird for us to grasp because in a time where everything is replaceable, everything is manufacturable, mm-hmm. you can get everything. Yeah. These are things that are just like they stand alone. They cannot be They were made remade. by extremely talented people a long time ago and we cannot recreate. You can't do it. Um so there's fucking missing still, right? Um man, where where all right, so however, their knowledge of what happened to the works after, basically, they thought they, they moved them to, out of New York into Philadelphia, but after if they, if they sold them there, they, the FBI really doesn't know what would have happened to them. They lost the, it's a, the case when cold. Yeah, but more or less, if they leave Massachusetts. Yeah. But one thing that has kind of thrown off investigators throughout this entire process post-heist is that no single motive or pattern has really emerged through thousands of pages of evidence gathered. The selection of works puzzles experts, specifically since more valuable artworks were available. Were the works taken for love, money, ransom, glory, barter, or for some tangled combination of them all? Were the raiders professional or were they amateurs? They seem like professionals. But were they? Because all of these was by fake cop uniforms and some duct tape. It worked really well, though. It worked, but like that's the. But they didn't. They didn't know what. They didn't seem to know what they were after. They skip over, if I may, like they, they skip over fucking Raphael, two Raphaels and a Botticelli painting, who were like masters in the Renaissance era, and then Titian's The Rape of Europa, which is one of the museum's most well-known and valuable okay, wait a pieces. Here's what I think. They walk. They literally. Here's what I hang think. on. No, I gotta say something because this is important. Like, 
this is important to like understanding who these people might have been because if you're robbing a fucking art museum, you're not looking like you're not you're not looking for cash. You're playing a long game, and obviously, you know somebody who can move it, right? But here's the thing: they could have been master. Th- okay, I have two theories right now. My first theory is this: is that they were master thieves, but maybe not master art experts. You know what I mean? Like they knew they had a loose range of valuable paintings they had to get to, um, and that was that. Or, or, and this I think is the more probable theory, is that what they were is that they were hired master thieves, and they were hired to specifically get a select few paintings by some sort of unknown entity. Like think about it this way: yeah, they skipped over a lot of. Um, a lot of really valuable works, but they're all giant paintings that can only carry so much. And I, I, I got to correct you right there. Not all of these are thirty foot by thirty foot paintings. They're still fucking like. <laughs> hey, okay, hang on. How big? Thir- how big is the average one? Four feet. Honestly, probably that size in like two, two and a half. inches. Two and a half feet by eighteen inches. Yeah, still by a like foot and a half. You have to roll a that piss is, ton of those. That up. is far different than thirty feet by thirty. So you have to roll a fucking piss ton of like, like you can only carry so much. That's the reality, and you need to get out of there quickly. So I mean, here's the thing. The thing is, is that I feel like they were hired by some sort of third party that wanted them to steal okay, a specific amount. Yeah, to steal specific paintings for reasons unknown. Okay, and that might be because honestly, like we don't fucking know anything. Like honestly, like, they, like do we know the build of these people out of curiosity? Um, medium. What do you mean medium? There's um, a lot of medium people out there. Six foot, 175 to 190 pounds. They're lean. Yeah. So wait, did they look like former athletes out of curiosity? Uh, the guards did not describe them specifically as being Were they supremely pudgy? athletic. Well, you have to take the guards' fucking word for it. They got a first eye account. Mm-hmm. And they didn't describe them as any more than a medium build. But we digress. We trigress, and we're trying really hard to explain this mystery to you, listeners. We quadgress. Um, but so the FBI's lead agent assigned to the case was Joffrey Kelly, J. Kelly, and he always found it difficult to understand why this assortment of items was stolen, despite the thieves being in the museum for enough time to really take whatever they wished. And we talked about that a minute ago. Why they did what they did. They can't carry a lot. Now, so, okay, so it happens in 1990, and time goes on. This is art. Mm-hmm. To make any money off of a heist, you have to move it. You have to, like, somebody has to pay you for it because the art itself is just a fucking canvas with oil paints on it. Yeah. So we have some false sightings. Some people, like, kind of thought they saw the art. and like, But they didn't. The closest sightings. And there's, even there, it's maybe they did, maybe they didn't. Mm-hmm. Ben, go ahead. I want you to read for me. So in 1994, the museum director, Anne Hathaway... And Howley. And Howley received a letter that promised the return of the pieces for $22.6 million. If interested, the museum had to get the newspaper, the Boston Globe, to publish a coded message in a business story. The message was published, but nothing further was heard once law enforcement got involved. So basically they, like, you know, it never really, I, I really tried hard to track down what the, the message was, but like. We couldn't find it. No one knows. In some sort of spreadsheet it's a, it's that basically. It's the fucking yeah. bowels of the Boston Globe. Right exactly. Now. But, but John, here's the thing. A Boston Herald reporter was driven to a warehouse in the middle of the night in 1997. Seven see, years after the heist. I was only seven years old. John, how old were you? Eight. Okay. To see what purported to be Rembrandt's 
Christ in the Storm on the Sea of Galilee, a very famous painting in which it depicts... Christ so, walking on water. Okay. So the reporter, Tom Mashberg, had been covering the theft and was allowed to view the painting briefly by flashlight. Uh. We're sorry for the burping, folks. That was both of us. That's the only, that was the only one we've done all episodes, so... Yeah. I feel like we're on right. Okay, so... um. And was allowed to view the painting briefly by flashlight. When he asked to, for proof of authenticity, he was given a vial of paint chips that were later confirmed by experts to be Dutch fragments of the 17th century, but not from the Rembrandt. So they were from a different fucking old painting. Yeah, they were just old-ass fucking paint chips. Yeah. So then the painting, whether real or fake, melted from view again, and Tom Mashburn was never... He lost contact with his connections. Since then, there has been no sign of the missing artworks, no arrests, no plausible demands for ransom. It is if the missing art, missing stash, now valued as high as $500 million, simply vanished into the chilly Boston night, swallowed up by the shadowy world of stolen art and the void of darkness that is capitalism. Ben, tell me your thoughts and recap real quick. Give me a 30-second version. 30 second version. Okay, so it's it's a sunny it's a sunny night in um in Boston in 1990 and then what happens is um there's a security guard his name is Abbott. He is an extremely handsome man with a beautiful wife at home. They have sex four times a day. Abbott is nothing if not full of stamina and just passion. Back to the mystery. One day um, he's manning his post after making love to his wife for hours. And then two cops walk in. Abbott, knowing that he is not as high-ranking as a cop because he's a security guard, um, lets these two folks right on inside the museum because uh, he, you know, he, they're cops and he's not. Next thing Abbott knows, they're telling him he's under arrest yeah. because he's got a warrant out that he didn't know about. Abbott assumes it's a mistake, and he just wants to get home to his wife so he can make fucking sweet love to her again and squeeze himself inside of her and tell her sweet nothings while they try to have that first child which they have been failing to have all this time. Having sex four times a day. I mean, wow. His sperm count must have been minimal. <laughs> just five. <laughs> yeah, five sperm. Shoot five sperm. Five sperm. Anyway, what happens? So, yeah, anywho. They steal um, a bunch of art. They steal some art. Um... Cops investigate. They don't find anyone. Fast forward, fast forward 28 years, and here we are. No one's caught them. Got it. Nailed it. Okay. Speculation and theories. So, Ben, due to the, uh, uh, for lack of a better phrase, brutish ways, uh, the criminals handled the robbery, just fucking cutting the paintings from their frames, which is not good if you were trying to sell it, and smashing frames for the two Degas sketches that they stole. Investigators believe that the thieves are fucking amateurs. They were not experts. Like, and I'm I'm inclined to believe that. Honestly, uh, these guys just fucking thought it was a good. They might, for all we know, they could have been fucking junkies. Like, how hard could it have been to procure a fucking? Um, how many junkies wear fake mustaches though? If you're gonna rob a bank, you, you would think that was a good idea. If you were Maybe in the '90s, but yeah, I don't know. Keep going. Some investigators believe that the works were destroyed, explaining why they've never been reappeared. Um, because that would be weird if you like, oh, I have this painting. It was stolen from Boston in 1990. Well, I was just thinking though, like, what if, like, let's say that you're like, I don't know, an international salesman of some kind. Yeah, art and salesman. And no, not even an art salesman. Like, let's say you work for Exxon. 
and you're going to Russia to meet with some oligarch because you need to procure a hot new oil deal in yeah. Eastern Russia. So you go to this oligarch's house, and he's like, my friend, come inside. And then you go inside, and he tells you to go into his bedroom, and he's like, look at this. It is from the Boston heist of 1990. And then, I, he, and then yeah. he has like a, then he's just got some big old fucking painting. You'd be like, holy shit. But you wouldn't fucking rat him out. No, you, you wouldn't. You would just think that was cool. Yeah, you I feel would. Like, I would 100% think that was awesome. I would, I, I feel like all these paintings are probably in the hands of like rich people. Somebody in their basement. Like, to like show people something. And like, you'd be like, hey man, you ever heard of this? Yeah, this like, want to come see something dope real quick? Don't I, do you promise not to be a snitch? Yeah, like, like, I, like you promise not to snitch. I'd be like, no. I, I'd be hey, you so, like you want to see some cool? Like, you would drink, you would party in some rich mansion. Yeah. Oh my god, this is exactly what they are. Yeah. Like, cause I've been yeah, like, like, like I, I'm not gonna say I've been to houses that have like stolen art in them, but I've been in nice ass houses and like oh, gotten drunk off cocktails with the people that lived in them, and I could easily imagine one of them being like three beers deep in, being like, you want to see some cool? Or like, actually, I take the back, twelve beers deep in, and Wait, being like, you want to see some cool? So and like, just like going in their basement. So, like, here it is, Rembrandt's Galilee, Christ on the Sea of Galilee. So here's the thing, my dad's wife's fucking relatives own this gigantic house in New Jersey. Yeah. And I went there um, for Christmas two years ago, and it's like 200 years old, it's a $10 million house, and I was stoned inside of it. And I was just walking around looking for relics and stuff. There you, like there big, are relics in there. No, there are. There's like big magnifying glasses. Like it was dope. Like, but I could see like a house, like, like having been exposed to something like that once. Like I could see like a house, like they had statues. Like I could see something. And like, also... Because 99% of people that would see it would have no idea it was, like, from no, the stolen I mean, museum were, in Boston. No, of course not. Like, if you were... 30 in, years like ago. Like, if you're the if you're the owner of that house, your basic only rule of thumb is, is don't have FBI agents over for dinner. Yeah. And if you do, like, <laughs> put good. the thing in the basement. <laughs> Hide it. Just yeah. don't let them in that room. Wow, that's pretty cool. Um, and What's another... Some more theories um, that you have heard So, of. John, I've had a couple theories myself, and one of my theories states that Bobby... Whitey Bulger, the the infamous New England mobster from Boston, was the ringleader of the theft. At the time of the heist, he was Boston's top crime boss and an FBM informant. Another one of my theories is that so he could have basically been like, uh, I'm he orchestrated it, knowing the FBI didn't have the resources to. Those aren't my theories, but you know I endorse them. Sure. What's the next one? So another theory is that Boston gangster Bobby Donati may have been involved in the heist. He's a famous gangster, if you haven't heard of him. So New England art thief Miles J. Connor Jr., in prison at the time of the robbery, he's another famous fucking thief. Um, stated, you gotta be tapped into the thief, you know, celeb scene. I mean, scene. people, you gotta, you gotta know you gotta the follow thief. him on Twitter. It's like I always say, if you're gonna follow Drug Mysteries, know your thief game. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, Miles J. Connor Jr. in prison at, at the time of the robbery has stated that he and associate Bobby Donati eyed the museum in the 80s, and Donati oversaw the operation. So, this guy, Connor, thought that Bobby Donati, they had been talking about it a decade prior, yeah. looking at it, and Donati was in charge of everything. So, like, well, it got robbed. Well, yeah, it I mean, might have been Bobby that dude. Donati probably did. Might have been that dude. Um, shortly before the robbery, Donati was seen at a nightclub with a sack of police uniforms. Donati worked under Boston crime boss Vincent Ferrara and visited him in prison in the early 1990s. 
When Ferrara asked about the robbery, Donati said he buried the stuff, quote, and would find a way to negotiate his release. Donati was then murdered in 1991 as a result of ongoing gang wars. Bobby Donati did it, folks. We just solved it. And the reason no one well, found but it the is thing is, like, buried everything. And you don't. But what? Okay, but then, then we get back to motive. Because what's the point of robbing an art museum to literally no, right. bury that. all the art? I mean, I, no, you're right. I don't buy that. I feel like whoever did it, they took it. There's a set of like three super cool families that have stolen ass art in their basements, and they're like, "Don't bring FBI I would agents." Think more than that, I would think like there's. Twelve families. Well, I think they sold like a, a combination of like nine works. Okay. So okay. if like so, you mean three families that have these a works? couple, like a, each of them has like a couple, like because you're in our if, okay. So like, uh, the matriarch, wildly, are, yeah, we well, we're in the spec. Oh, we're definitely in the speculate wildly. Who do you think it was that has these works of arts? I don't know. I mean, you know, I, let's just try to figure it out. Okay, right what now. I think it is, what I, I th- who has them, I think would be um, three sort of higher up crime. People involved in the crime world, one way or another, be it dirty, white-collar crime, be it what have you. Okay, I have a question. And basically just being like, they had the resources to buy the stolen art. Let me speculate well. Let me finish with here. They had the resources to buy the stolen art, and it's in their houses, and they're just chilling, and they're like, well, nobody's going to see it. And yeah, if anybody you think would ever be related to the FBI... Just fucking don't let them in that one room. But even then, I even think most FBI agents wouldn't recognize art on site and be like, oh, that was stolen. No, of course not, unless that was like your department. Exactly. So like it's you're even, the art guy. So it's an even narrower sect of like people who would be like, this is stolen. Like this is reappeared. I would bet there are no more than five people in the FBI that would like know that work of those works of arts and let, if by saw, seeing it on site. Yeah, because that's got to be that's just got to be your department. Sure, you know what I mean, or you have to be lucky enough to have like. I'm gonna say twenty. I'm not gonna say five twenty. Okay, fine, because you might be like someone that's just like super like. I mean, we don't know how big the FBI is. It's pretty big, and the other thing is, you could just be like an FBI guy who's super big into your own history and like be just like looking up cool fucking cases that are yeah, unsolved. Because that's true. Be the guy that solves, that solves that shit. Yeah, that like solves we, that case. we Wikipedia this. I'm sure there's fucking FBI fucking people. Asshole. Yeah. So Ben, do you have anything else to talk about? I do, John. Yeah, go so ahead, I have a please. Question. I have a question. I'm, I'm out of notes. So I'm out of still my beans here. So let's here. think about this for a second. So we know these paintings were never found. We do. And this happened in the year 1990. We do. Since then, the murder rate in America has gone up exponentially. Okay. So, I my question to you is: Do you think that these works of these works of art could have been stolen? In order to fund some sort of underground society, which is just hell bent on causing chaos in the United States, John, your thoughts? In a word, no, I don't think that. Mm. Um, I think if anything, this was the, probably a trophy heist orchestrated by like a organized crime top boss, like mm-hmm. maybe Whitey Bulger, but maybe sort of his equal that we are as a public aren't even aware of. Yep. Because art heist is is that it's a, like you're stealing this to be like. I have that fucking Blackie thing. Schmolger. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it is, it, it, you're, if you want to get rich, rob a fucking bank. Rob, get precious stones and move them. If you're going to steal a famous painting, you want you want to have that and simultaneously only show it to select people the as a thing, flex. The other thing is that's hard to sell, too. Like, I want you to think about that for a second. Like, I've always wondered that. Like, how do you sell stolen art? Man, I, I mean, I don't know because I'm not really in that world, so to speak, but I feel like you have to know. Okay, what you need to know, 
I feel like you need to know someone who has their finger on the pulse of like what's wanted in the art world, because then that person like can be like, okay, this will sell for that. Like I can move. Like you need to know someone that's just like selling shit. In, yeah, like, like maybe the reason they didn't fucking steal, black market art dealer. You yeah. need to know one of those people. But again, like, okay, the value in art is is almost like it's kind of indefinable, right? It's like whatever. It's just somebody's willing to pay for it. Why would you want art? Like it's, it's a flex on people, right? To be like, I've got this in my yeah, house. Like it imagine, makes my, this, okay. it makes this game room look tight. Imagine you're Vladimir Putin, mm-hmm. and there is like an 18th century, I don't know, like sculpture. imperial Russian painting or sculpture of some kind that's sitting in like a, a museum in a, Los Angeles. Yeah, Los Angeles or London, and you decide, you know what? I'd like to have that painting in my presidential palace That's because I'm true. tired of those fucks having it. So maybe so Putin has all of these. I mean, none, were any of these, these all seemed Italian paintings for most Yeah, it's not, none are Russian paintings. I would guarantee that at least two of these paintings are in Italy. <laughs> like, all right, I'll take that back. Yeah, I like it. I yeah, agree that, with that. Okay. I would take that, if not more of them. Like, yeah. You know, like, bear in mind, like, if it's some dude named fucking, whose last name is Ferrara and Benetti, like, you know where those paintings are wanted? They're wanted by rich guys in Italy. Italy, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I think that about wraps it up for this episode of Drunk Mysteries. Um, really? I hope, I think so. I mean, unless you have anything else to say. I, I mean, mean, what do you think about politics? Nothing. Um, so, I want to thank our, our sources, Wikipedia, tonight. I also want to thank, it's called Ripped from the, uh, Ripped from the Walls and Headlines. Uh, it's written by Robert M. Poole. It was Is he reliable? Yes, it was in the Smithsonian Magazine oh, wow. in July 2005. We got some information from him and his article. Anyway, I want to thank all that. Ben, if you've got nothing else, you know, I'm kind of... So, John, I've got one more thing. Folks, if you could... Get your pet spayed or neutered. I mean, the only way we're going to improve as a podcast is if you share our fe- your, your feedback with us. And you can do that in three forms. One is the form of an email to drunkmysteries at gmail.com. Two is the form of a rating or review, whether it be terrible or really, really good. Five stars only. Yeah, you know, or you know, once whatever stars. You have you're forced to give us one through five stars. You pick your poison. Yeah, exactly. And um, the other one would be the third one is hit us up on Instagram at Drunk Mysteries on Instagram. Yeah. We've got all kinds of fun things. We do live Super videos. Fun. You'll get to see what we look like. We're two incredibly just handsome and chiseled Chisel. young men. With- I have a jawline that could slice bread. My face looks like it came out of a star. Anyway, um, yeah, so you guys know all that. Look, you're yeah. hip to the fight. Look, ben, also, we want to thank you because this is our 20th episode. This is wow. a monument in a sort of podcasting history, as You've it were. You've been doing this for almost seven years now? Nope, uh, five months. But five um, months. it seems like seven years, yep. honestly. But I uh, want to thank all the listeners. want to thank everybody that's joined us, everyone that's supported us, everyone that has already subscribed and reviewed. You're great people, and you're great people, and you look like you look like magic men. And everyone is envious of the size of your genitals. Yep. Um, Unless you're a girl, then they're odd. They're the size of the your size breasts. Of the tininess of your, of your genitals. Maybe. Anyway, look, look, <laughs> that's all we've got for tonight. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time on Drunk, Drunk Mi- Mysteries. Mysteries. Everybody, yeah, 
rock your body. body. Yeah. yeah. Lose Everybody. The... Yeah. Look, John. Rock your... I know I'm not the one you, you used to know back in high school. Never showing up. Never giving a back fool. Thought it would be great. Wouldn't it be wait? I'm sick of being told to wait my turn. Guys, you know what? Some but hang on, but hang on. Uh, real, real quick. He, uh, he was a skater boy. And she he said, said later, see boy. you later, boy. He wasn't he good enough for her. Um, and now he's a superstar slamming on his guitar. Mm-hmm. And who gives a shit? You know, I, yeah, I, I, mean, I fucking don't. Ben, this is sound check. You can't be two feet away from your microphone. Yeah, I know, but I'm trying like, to fucking you hashtag, gotta, like, I'm trying to hashtag yeah. it up right now. Okay, we've got to work on your blocking right now because it's, it's we, bad. It's not bad. You lean away from the microphone and it doesn't work. Have okay. you noticed you've been quiet in recent episodes? Not really. Well, you have. Okay, well, fine. I'll be less quiet. I won't lean away when I talk if that's what you're telling you me not to do. you got to get close to the microphone. All right, well, <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, John did not make it it's a good, tonight's episode. It's a good hashtag positive vibes. You said I died. Yeah, I said you died. I killed you off. It's fine. Cliffhanger. Okay. It doesn't. Yeah. Season. This is the end of season one. Sure. Can I start saying it's season two now? When yeah, I go we, to we, Drunk we, Mysteries. Season fourteen of Drunk, Drunk Mysteries. Mysteries.